Thank you for tuning in to Meet the Industry. I'm your host, Malik Shah. There's a guest on the show today. He grew up in Delhi, moved to USA where he studied and worked in radio, audio post-production, and then there was a stint at one of the biggest publishing firms in the music industry, the Warner Chapel Music Company, which is a division of Warner Music Group, which is one of the three biggest record labels on the planet. He also has experience in A&R, music programming and artist management. So there is a lot of experience under his belt. But the beginning of his journey was right after where he came back to India in 2011 and unexpectedly settled down here instead of moving to the UK because he met someone special here. And no, it wasn't a woman. It was this guy called Mo City, who is quite a legend in his own right. But this was the moment where I think Tej Brar the guest of our episode really found his calling and one thing led to another and boom. Today, there's a company in India called Third Culture that he owns and there's a DJ in India called Nuclear that he represents. So please welcome to the show Tej Brar. I reached out to him to talk about his views on the music industry and artist management. Since we are growing as an industry, the role of an artist manager becomes more and more significant because once the talent arrives in the market, someone needs to bring it to the audience at the right time to the right people with the right music. Third Culture, a company he started in 2017, manages lots of talented artists such as Raja Kumari, Blot, Mad Star Bass and Sarathi Korwar. But there's a lot more to Third Culture than meets the eye. So without further ado, let's jump into Meet the Industry episode number four in conversation with Tej Brar. Hi, so I have Tej Brar with me right now on the show. Uh, welcome, Tej. Really glad to host you on the show. Thanks for having me, Malik. What's happening? Uh, what are you doing currently? Uh, busy times uh, at Third Culture. Um, we uh, are officially now over two years old uh, as yeah. a company. And uh, we essentially operate in three different verticals. Uh, we have an artist management business that is probably the core uh, business that uh, uh, we operate. Right. Uh, we now have 10 different artists uh, signed with us. And this is across various genres. Uh, ranging from electronic artists uh, all the way through to singer-songwriters, all the way up to uh, hip-hop uh, artists as well. So uh, it's quite a diverse roster. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah then uh, we also uh, promote a fair number of uh, tours. We just did Kamasi, Dengi Dengi, and uh, we just got done with Neon East Fest, uh, right. which uh, was at Geo Garden, and that was our first year festival. And we also obviously produce events for other clients, uh, corporate clients, and... Uh, uh, various festivals like Goa Sunsplash and Basecamp Festival. And uh, lastly, we run a distribution network as well, where uh, we provide distribution uh, for independent artists. Yeah, wow. Uh, that's uh, a lot of stuff that you are currently doing with the company. And uh, did, you, did you plan uh, the distribution, the artist management, everything since the beginning? The way that I've kind of built the company to be very honest, is um, if I see an opportunity uh, that is both uh, financially uh, lucrative um, as well as something that I think fits with 
the overall ethos of the company, um, then that's something that I'm interested in moving into. I saw a big need in the market um, as far as a mid-level production house goes. Right. Um, you know, there's obviously the big boys, Scoop, production crew, right. Wizcraft, so on and so forth, you know. Uh, but a lot of the clients that we have been providing uh, production solutions for are people that uh, would be way too small, you know, for uh, the big boys like that. So we saw an opportunity to uh, fill uh, a niche uh, there, so we moved into that. Uh, but as far as the distribution goes, you know, I think that's really an attempt to solve a, a pretty fundamental problem, right? So if you're an independent artist in India and you know, you really, really believe in your music, right? You're going to spend two right. years working on it, mixing it, mastering it, yeah. perfecting it, you know, doing the arrangements and so on and so forth. And you pour your heart, soul, time, energy, money into this right. product. And who's going to listen to it, you know? Yeah. You're going to put it up on SoundCloud and you're going to get 500 plays and then it's yeah. just going to live there in eternity, right? Yeah. And that's... Because like I think in the beginning, uh, since, since the while, uh, everyone has the idea that if you make music and if you want to release music, you need a record label. Mm. And uh, the concept of record label in India is not as extensive as it is abroad. I mean, it's non-existent. Let's be real here, right. you know. Um, I think that probably between the two of us, we can probably count the independent record labels yeah. in this country on one, yeah. uh, one hand, maybe two hands. And an independent record label is way different from what a totally. major record label totally. is like. I, I, you know, and the thing is that, I mean, it sounds like we're uh, going on beating the same dead horse, but the thing is, we're so inundated and overwhelmed by Bollywood uh, as yeah. content that it leaves very little space and very little money, right, uh, outside of it. So um, essentially, you know, if you look at what's happening with record labels internationally, they're kind of becoming irrelevant, right? Because with the, the internet spreading and the proliferation of distribution uh, services, uh, it's so much easier for an artist to just own all of their own rights and all of their yeah. own content Use yeah. a distribution service yeah. like an aggregator like Believe Digital or The Orchard or any one of these, you know? And yeah. um, all of a sudden, their music is available to a far wider audience, yeah. and they're actually not sacrificing any of their rights to do that. Um, most of the aggregator models work on a commission. So that means that if you earn whatever, X amount of money from streaming, uh, they're going to take a 15, 20, 25%, depending yeah. on uh, whatever your agreement is with them. And uh, that's great, you know, because that means that you now own the rights to all of your music. So if you want to later on uh, sell it to an advertiser or sell it yeah. to a TV show or yeah. sell it, uh, you know, onwards, you still have the right to do that. So I, I really think that um, the time of record labels as distributor are kind yeah. of behind us. Yeah. The way I look at record labels nowadays and specifically independent record labels uh, is as tastemakers and yeah. as curators, you curators. know, uh, because they have kind of found a new sound or a new exciting act. And, you know, that's something that uh, they are then uh, delivering to an, it, to an uh, inbuilt audience, you know? Yeah. Take an example of Warp, you know? Um, there's such incredible artists that are signed to Warp, but they know that their audience base is going to like the new artists that they're signing because they've liked all of the other stuff before. Right. So, um, you know, I think that uh, there's a few uh, labels doing really interesting stuff. I mean, obviously, Killer Records uh, yeah. in the independent space and uh, Vox Out FM recordings. And, right. you know, um, so I think that it's a concerted effort. You yeah, know? I think people in India are now starting to realize that uh, owning a record label doesn't just mean releasing music, but it's about creating a brand. Uh, like you said, tastemakers, they want to push out a certain type of sound and they have the means to do that because of the internet and 
the spread that the internet really provides sure. absolutely so uh, what i want to talk about is uh, relating to this is in a recent interview you spoke about how uh, event managers need a clear set of legal rules to follow sure when executing a large format event which is not in a club mm-hmm. but mostly on ground mm-hmm. and uh, i think the production department of third culture is trying to address that very issue sure um so just to get into the nitty gritty of it i mean basically what we're facing is a lack of infrastructure that's what it is number yeah. one um you know you've got um most venues uh in india are uh fnb outlets they're restaurants that turn yeah. into yeah. a bar or a club or club. whatever at night yeah. you know um and to me that's not really a true blue venue right now if you want to do something that is maybe um uh, 1000 cap 1500 cap 2000 cap uh you're in a bit of a tough spot because you ultimately have to end up building that infrastructure to do it right so all of a sudden you're doing uh permissions you're getting staging lights Licenses. trussing you know you name it the whole the whole shebang and in order for you to turn that event profitable you mostly need to sell out right um that's why it only makes sense to really build a larger format event if you're going to cross the 3000 4000 people footfall because that's the point at which you can become profitable fairly easily so what we're trying to do as third culture is basically two things right as the production department is that we're trying to um up the quality uh, of events um and there is really uh, a cost effective way to do this here you know um an example would be of what we were discussing earlier the dome stage at the right. neon east fest right yeah. um that dome stage was just a, it's a shaadi ka mandap right and yeah. we just painted yeah. it put some black cloth on it and put mi bars up very mm. cost effective That's way ingenious. to do it you know yeah. but you know the thing is that idea has to be solved right yeah. so if you come up with that then uh, and you're confident in your idea then it really doesn't take that much money to actually execute it you right. know now regarding the rules um it's a free for all it's the wild wild west you know okay um now it's really dependent on what your relationship is with uh the, the authorities local, the look precisely with the authorities with the local uh departments uh that you need to sign off from so um that's why like for us uh, doing a festival like NEF in Bombay made a lot of sense because this is where our relationships are right. this is where you yeah. know we feel confident being able to uh pull off uh, something on that scale and you can help others with that influence who want to put up something like this Yeah. and who do not know the nitigrities the the technical legal aspects of it but, but sure. they want to uh put up a good show and they have the means to do it and and the thing is that when you sign on for something like that and you decide to produce an event um the liability is on you you know because they yeah. are the client so you yeah. have taken that on yeah. your shoulders now to do now there have been attempts in the past um to get uh essentially a single window licensing system uh for large format events i know that they had tried this in delhi uh, a okay. while ago but uh I don't think it actually got the traction that it needed. So like there are uh, a set of rules that everyone can follow or just does it just depend There's on the state? There's a set of licenses you need okay. basically. And those licenses are basically uniform uh, across the various spaces uh, that you're going to do an event, right? In most all of different the metros, states. Most of the metros. You're going to need excise, okay. you're going to need traffic, you're going to need local police, you're going to yeah. need PPL, uh, IPRS, Novex, all of these okay. things, right? Yeah. So there is a checklist essentially mm. that you need. Mm. But the the two things in question are how much is it going to cost you and that varies mm. from market to market mm. and also what is your likelihood of getting it right okay. uh, whether you're from that market you have some sway in that market so on and so forth yeah. 
now there's obviously bodies that have some uh influence with the government right mm-hmm. like the NRAI the restaurant association and EMA right. uh, as well but you know these guys have their own agendas right like these yeah. bodies and they they don't want to probably promote the event that you're promoting no it's not, it's not about promoting the thing is that they're operating at a at a level that is significantly higher than what right. uh, like uh, maybe 10 20 thousand right? uh, people you know, when you was or something they're talking on the level of this is how many jobs we will create and oh, this okay. is how much we will add to the economy and you know like that's Very the level of, uh, angle to it that's instead the level of a cultural angle correct yeah so you know i've argued for a long time that you know we need uh, government support um yeah. and i think it's very important to uh, acknowledge and understand yeah. that the new music that is coming out of india is also indian culture you know it's not indian culture is not just classical music and bharatnatyam and kathakali and you know well bollywood operates on its own right i don't really hmm. think they need any further government support let's be right. real yeah but um, you know largely speaking i think that uh there needs to be a shift in thinking about contemporary art being made in india right and yeah. that the stuff that a bedroom producer is making does count as valid contemporary indian art you know mm. now mm. whether we're talking about a sidvashi or a disco puppet or this one or that one or whatever you know the reality is that they are tr- truly indian yeah. you know i mean yeah. and that yeah. sound is the sound of a new yeah. india you yeah. know and we need to uh embrace that and i think and the thing is i mean even even uh, i think if they think that what we are doing i mean as independent musicians making electronic music or something is not indian then uh even for movies now we we are adopting a lot from the west sure. uh, so sure. they they can't really complain about that i think they just need to recognize the value that we are adding to the culture and obviously the economy as well the thing is that you have to talk in a language they understand right right so you yeah. need to talk in maybe change their perceptions slightly laws taxes how mm. much we uh, i mean to be very honest a lot of the companies that operate in the independent music space uh, are run very professionally whether right. we're talking yeah. about an unmute yeah. or a mixtape or yeah, a, for sure. uh of course OML and you know uh, yeah. so on and so forth so i think it's very naive to think that uh, we are operating in some token dagger shadow economy you yeah. know under uh, the radar and what we're doing is morally corrupt and like whatever yeah. because the reality is that it's not you know yeah. um and it's a fairly well controlled and organized uh, environment when you're especially especially when you're doing club gigs you know um but uh, overall speaking you know i think that we contribute enough tax to be taken seriously yeah. I mean, you know sunborn has been going on for like 12 12 years yeah 12 years now yeah. and it's something that's never going to stop and looking at sunborn there are so many other properties sure. that have come up mm-hmm. which obviously generate a lot of revenue mm-hmm. e- even in terms of taxes and stuff yep. because they're happening every year and there are like so many other festivals that are now happening almost every month you know this fact that the in this sector uh, is so disorganized right is one of the major uh, restricting factors for why the big boy promoters the aegs and the live nations of the world have not made their inroads to india yet because they're terrified mm. of doing business here right so yeah. the idea is yeah. that we need to formalize this sector first and once we have formalized it ourselves internally we are all of a sudden a much more lucrative market for a, a big boy international player to come in here so uh, speaking of formalizing do you think that uh, the independent music industry as a whole sort of needs one singular representative body that speaks for the industry I think it's oh. going to be tough to get everybody on the same page, you know, because the thing is that anytime you're doing this whole demo- decision making by democracy, 
Hmm. I don't really believe in that, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, what if some of the big players? Take that's the what over? I think is needed. You know, it's it's gonna take a couple of people who have a vested interest um, to see this thing through, at least hmm. to the point where we have begun the conversation. Because once we hmm. begin the yeah. conversation, then it can take on a life of its own, and then it can yeah. kind of at move least the ball spread. starts rolling. People start yeah. thinking in that direction and mm-hmm. see what can come out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think, it, in from the inside, everyone wants this. Mm. It's just that probably people are too busy to take the responsibility because they think they'll be the only one who'll have to do it. Yeah, and the thing is that there is a second downside to this: that once you pick the panga, mm. you're on their radar. You know, yeah. You don't want to be the guy to go to the local cop and say, "Hey, man, you got to make my life easier on the next event," because <laughs> now you are that guy's number one target. You know, <laughs> basically. So that's why it cannot be um, a one-sided thing, right? It's got to yeah. be uh, a few people getting together. But I don't think we're going to get everyone on the same page because yeah. everyone's goals are Then different. Then I think someone from that side, like the authority side, sort of needs to see things the way we see them, and mm-hmm. maybe. Give us a hand. That okay? No, listen, and there I'm, are I'm people who who appreciate and respect this. You know, like yeah. I mean, the Habitat Center in Delhi is a fantastic example of this, right? They are pushing contemporary art all the time across mediums, not just music, not just dance, uh, visual arts as well. Um, so you know, there are models of this working. You know, so what we need is essentially to align the old uh, thoughts and institutions with what we are yeah. doing nowadays, yeah. and finding a middle ground here that is yeah. um, economically lucrative for the government. Yeah. You know. And I think the masses are speaking mm-hmm. uh, by attending these events. Sure. And uh, I think the fact that a lot of uh, youngsters want to be producers mm. is is testif- testament to the fact that you know this this is not just a fad. This is something that's here to stay, and it's arts and culture. And there's there's no uh, being t- taking national sides in it because arts and culture is yeah. is not dependent on that. See, if you look at it from a basic data standpoint, right? Yeah. Like when I first moved back here from LA in two thousand and eleven, yeah. there was like maybe a handful of producers across the country. Let's say like twenty to thirty producers, and everybody knew everyone. You know, um, you had obviously the OGs, medieval pundits, Delaby, yeah. Arjun, Plot, whatever mm-hmm. those guys, and then you had this whole new wave coming in. You know, like with Sanaya and Sahaj, and you know, like that whole kind of mm-hmm. first move mm-hmm. that that happened. You know, yeah. If you look at it today, there are literally thousands of producers, mm-hmm. right? And it has exploded to a point where um, it is completely genre agnostic. You know, somebody's yeah. making house, somebody's making techno, somebody's yeah. making hip hop, somebody's making future bass, somebody's yeah. making desi bass. I mean, it's the yeah. whole thing is exploded. Now that's because of the proliferation of uh, of uh, the internet, right? And yeah, having obviously. access to all these Man, sounds. I got into uh, this in two thousand thirteen. And uh, that was the year when I saw uh, Sahaj at Sula Fest. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, uh, I had been going to a lot of rock gigs before that, but they oh. were very sporadic. Oh. And you would there was no chance that you could see an international band as often as you'd like to, uh, mm-hmm. compared to the amount of music that you were consuming from there. Yeah. So you try to go for as many rock local gigs that were happening. But then when I saw Sula Fest and mm-hmm. I saw uh, what Sahaj was doing on the show, I was like, man, this is the future right here. And yeah. in, in about 10 years of time, this thing's gonna be a regular thing, which it is now, where you're going for like s- such amazing gigs almost every week. Yep. There's a f- there's at least one good festival happening in a month in India. We are like spoiled for choice right now. Exactly. Like, look at what's happening yeah. right now. Like this yeah. month, right? It was, uh, uh, NH7 Shillong first weekend, then Basecamp last weekend. Now it's yeah. Far Out Left the coming weekend. Yeah. Then it's Disrupt the weekend after that. Then, then it's Echoes. NH7 Pune. Then it's Echoes. Then it's Magnetic. Magnetic. I mean, like, yeah. 
It's good. We're good. You know, like... I uh, mean, if this is yeah. more than enough for the government sure. to see what uh, this is well, doing to... There is momentum there, certainly. I think, And I think things are sort of moving slowly and steadily because uh, the amount of parties that are happening, yeah. it's not that it's happening under the government's nose or something. They are letting it happen sure. in a way. Sure. And they know what everything is like. But I think everything takes its own time. But probably we're heading in the right direction. I think there's an important point to be made here about... Um, certain marquee artists finding a level of success that we thought was maybe impossible before, right? Mm -hmm. Like, for example, Sahaj rocking the Sula Fest stage mm -hmm. like that. Like, I remember that show very clearly, you yeah. know? And uh, it was a revelation to me as well that it went over the way that it did, you know? Mm -hmm. If you look at the kind of success that we've had with Nuclear, you yeah. know, um, he's somebody who, you know, I always believe there was a glass ceiling to an Indian artist, you know? Like, yeah. he can only reach this point and then after that, he's always going to open for Diplo and Major Lazer yeah. and Yevo and whatever, yeah. but we've blown through that, yeah, you know? Yeah, for sure. So that's gone. Yeah. So now, ultimately, what has happened, right? Mm. The effect of these marquee artists finding success on that level has basically given the younger producer something to aspire to, right? right? of course. All of a sudden, a kid sitting in Raipur or sitting in Vizag or sitting in Baroda or whatever, he can go and show his mom and dad um, hey, here's Nuclear, I want to be like him. You know, yeah, yeah, now he yeah, has yeah. an example, right? Yeah. Or like, hey, here's Doolist Inquiry, yeah. or here's Arjun Vagale, or here's, yeah. you know, like... There's so there's like this one good benchmark that you exactly. can show. And I did that. I did yeah. that to my parents. <laughs> uh, I had to say something and I was like, see, sure. this is going to blow up. Yeah. And here are some of the artists that they would ask me, you know, how much do they get paid and, yeah, you know, yeah, sure. uh, all that. So Well, you know, that's something I'm very proud of as well. Like, um... You know, with Third Culture, uh, one of the reasons why we pride ourselves um, as being artist managers first is because pretty much every single artist that has signed with us mm. uh, over the last 12 months, we've been able to double their revenue. Um, you know, not just slightly wow. increase it, we've straight up yeah. double fees. Yeah. In fact, uh, I have a bit of a bad reputation for that. Like uh, Dave and all like pull my leg saying that after an artist signs with me, they just become double price <laughs> automatically. Elite agency. You know, by, by virtue of signing with me. But the thing is that these things are justified, you know, and I think that brings yeah, us... Yeah, as, as in you you can make it make it justify, I guess, yeah. with uh, the See, value the that is, you'll be adding to the it. The thing is what we do is... And it's not that the artist is not working hard or anything. He works hard to even no. deserve that, right? No. Well, the, you know, um, for us... Uh, it's never been about just booking shows, right? Mm. Booking shows, anyone can do. Mm. That's really not uh, what we do as a management company. Booking shows is the last step in the whole process of what mm -hmm. we're doing. Um, you know, uh, I, I think that, you know, what a lot of uh, up, up and coming and aspiring uh, artists try to do is that, you know, I get messages all the time like, uh, how do I get noticed by you? How do I get yeah. signed by you? Listen yeah. to my song, listen to this thing and yeah. whatever. And the reality of that is that um, I'm probably not going to sign you if you come to me, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. What needs to be happening is that there needs to be a groundswell behind you already. You yeah. need to have a buzz going. People need to be talking yeah. about you. People need to be listening to your music. People yeah. need to uh, literally be like, oh man, this guy is insane. We need to go for his gig, you know? Yeah. If that is happening... Yeah. chances are you're going to be on my radar. You right? need to be noticed. And I am still that yeah. guy who will go out and check out the gig Local of gigs. a totally un unheard yeah. of artist. I think there's a lot of value in doing that. I think it's mm. really important to stay on the on That's the cusp one thing it, that you know? uh, uh, I think we read about these things about the big bands abroad, mm. but I don't think people expect 
something like that to happen nowadays in India, even though like the independent culture has like blown up and sure. people are like every venue, even even if it's not a DJ, there's some acoustic guy playing guitar and singing even Bollywood songs, but mm-hmm. it's happening. Yeah. But we need people like uh, you. I mean, at least what you're doing, we need people to do that more often mm-hmm. to uh, spur these artists on. And yeah. someone needs to uh, talk about things that, you know, I want to play a gig and I want to get noticed. I want to be worthy of uh, mm-hmm. being picked as uh, the artist that someone can manage. One of the things that I think is really important is that before we sign an artist, um, I need to know that they're ready to grind. I need right. to know that okay. they are ready to put the yeah. work in. That was actually, you know? uh, I think you're answering one of the questions that I wanted to ask you uh, sure. on this episode is that when do you think uh, an artist is ready for management? Sure. So the uh, saying that I've always kind of said about this thing is that like, I'm not the guy who's going to come and build the fire for you. Hmm. I'm not going to find the rocks and the kindling and start yeah, knocking bricks obviously. together and build a little uh, tinder flame. And then, you know, like, uh, I'm not going to do that, you know? Yeah. I am the guy that once the fire is burning and mm. it's already happening and mm. I can see that there's a substantial heat coming off the fire, mm. I will walk over with a tanker of gasoline and pour it on the yeah. fire. Yeah. That's what I do. You'll add the fuel. That's what I'll do. So I'm the guy who basically like when you reach a certain point in your career and you know that you've got something and that this yeah. is working, that's when you can, that's when most of the time I will come to you and mm. say, hey, there's value in this. Let's, yeah. uh, what's your vision? What's your idea? Now, one of the activities that I do with every new artist that I sign is that I ask them to uh, list out short-term goals and long-term goals. Okay. So yeah. short-term goals are what they would like to achieve within the next six months. Yeah. Right? Uh, long-term goals are what they'd like to achieve within the next 24 months. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the, I, I think it's really, really important at the outset of any sort of uh, professional relationship that expectations are set. Yeah. You know? This is exactly what I had spoken about in the second episode when I was talking to uh, Ketan sure. about uh, artistic vision. Mm-hmm. And this was exactly what I said that uh, before an artist starts out, they need to have something in mind, something mm-hmm. that they can follow, like a six-month plan or a three-month plan. Mm-hmm. And in three months, what do you want to do? you want to produce a track? Do you want to release a track? Do you want to uh, collab with someone? If you're doing that after three months, you have to again ask yourself, what do you want to do in the next one year? Yep. And slowly, slowly, step-by-step, keep executing small goals. Yeah, and and I think, you know, honestly, the job of management is to, yeah, certainly keep you on track for those goals. But the reason why I do this uh, activity with with my artists is that uh, I think it's really important to document it. We always put it down on Mm. email, but Mm. there's a reference point. Yeah. So that six months later, if I have not helped that artist achieve the goals that he set out to achieve, I have failed. I failed as a manager. So I now am answerable to him. Yeah. Right? Because, you know, you hear these nightmares all the time of managers, mm. you know, signing different acts. Being and then too busy. Yeah, and then being too busy acts. and then just sitting, yeah. you know, they come and they sit on the roster and then nothing happens. And yeah. then it's been and two years. And he'll just like struggle to get gigs for them just to show that he's trying to work Then that them. guy gets fried and he starts getting gigs himself. And then the manager's <laughs> like, why did you talk to the club directly? Yeah. And you, it's a, it's and a joke, yeah. Some of the artists even confuse uh, an artist manager with a booking agent or vice versa. Absolutely. And yeah. I think even they don't understand the lines so blurred between uh, mm-hmm. these two. And I think a lot of people want a manager but have an agent. Sure, And a lot of people have an agent but they think he's a manager and he's supposed to even tell them what to do, like what kind of goals to have and stuff like that. See, there is this very weird um, 
uh, sort of sense that happens here, right? Is that like, um, and I saw this all the time uh, at my last gig, you know, um, we would sign artists, right? Mm. And uh, all of a sudden, they would just like kick up and put their feet back, you know, and be like, hey, I'm huh. chilling now. Like, yeah. oh, I'm mad. Stage is my manager, so bus life is set. <laughs> you you know, like whatever. Art, some artists like that? Yeah, yeah, big time. And not <laughs> only that, the thing is that, see, when you're starting out in the West, right? Mm. You got to work, man. Like mm. you are loading in your own gear, you yeah. know, you're, t- you're, you're yeah. driving yourself to different gigs, you know, like you're usually working for like whatever, like uh, a, a very small percentage of the gate or a very small percentage of the bar or like yeah. whatever, right? Yeah. And there's artists over here that are just like, huh, boss, I've released one EP, <laughs> so five-star hotel and flights everywhere, you know? And it's like, it's a joke, yeah? Yeah, so, I mean, it, they just, I think they just get very complacent or they probably just uh, want it just for the experience of it, but they don't want to continue that experience or something. It's we probably are like a cheap thrill lucky. they want to. We are very lucky in India hmm. in that realistically speaking, huh. we've got a pretty healthy touring culture, right? Yeah. Artists are relatively well taken care of. There's airport pickups. There's but that's mostly for international artists, don't you think? I would like, argue not. You know, um, for us, um, we have sort of elevated out of the 25,000 rupee artists to the more hmm. 50,000 rupee artists. Hmm. There's sort of more of the minimum of what we're charging. Hmm. So when you reach that price point, um, it's fairly it automatically straightforward to ask for stuff like that, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, the, the people that you're dealing with for fees are different and the sure. audience that's perceiving this is still sure. like, huh, as in, if you're doing Indian, but then you you call someone like Taylor Foss or someone, they, yeah. they'll all be like, whoa, you know, go for Taylor. <laughs> because they've seen videos on YouTube, they've probably seen yeah, yeah. them playing on some fancy location and that's why they think that the but artist is better. I'll give you Whereas, a good example. I'll give you a good example of what, what's happening. Um... Not this weekend, but next weekend, mm. um, we're doing a tour with Cruella uh, and with Nuclear, mm-hmm. right? Now, Cruella is massive, right? In yeah. the international EDM yeah. space and whatever and all of that. But the reality is mm. that at both shows that we're doing, both in Hyderabad and in Bangalore, Cruella is opening for Nuclear. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's because he just has that market, for sure. you know? Yeah. He's got yeah. that on lockdown. So, you know, we're very So lucky. it's possible for, to oh, change that perception. Yeah, but let's be frank. Udyan is the exception. He's exception. not. He's not the norm. You know. For sure. Um, yeah. But I think that we are seeing that change a little bit. Yeah. You know, and there are obviously marquee artists that have now uh, reached that point in their yeah. career. And I think a lot of uh, artists now are starting to take the the art more seriously because mm. they think. Uh, I think they know that if I'm just gonna rest back on my laurels, there's someone else who's gonna oh yeah surpass me. Not just that, I think everybody, whether we're talking about promoters or we're talking about managers or we're talking about agents, or we're talking about artists, I think every single person can feel that this is growing. It's growing, yeah. yeah. There's an energy in the air. You can you see know? it, you can feel it. The crowds are getting bigger, man. Yeah, if you're on shows, social media, you, know? you, you cannot escape it. And yeah. uh, it's, it's a great thing. I mean, so it's everybody a healthy is competition. striving for that. Every, and you know? now everybody is starting to uh, even realize that, you know, uh, you can't wait and expect things to happen. You have to go and make it happen. Correct. So everyone's finding something or the other to do and trying to contribute to this ecosystem. Well, that's been the big, the big uh, gamble with third culture, right? I, mm. I had no idea that this was going yeah. to work. You know, the first year of the company, uh, it was just me with uh, a laptop and my cell phone and working from my, my apartment, you know? Uh, I yeah. didn't have staff. I didn't have, 
an office. I didn't have anything like that, you know. And I bootstrapped it to the point where I saved just enough money uh, mm. in order to pay for uh, an office and uh, hire my first two employees. Mm. And uh, from that point, we've been very lucky that uh, the work that we've been doing has uh, gone well. And, yeah. uh, you know, we're all of a sudden at a point where uh, we are able to take other gambles now, you know, like doing Kamasi Washington or yeah. doing Neon East Fest. Um, you know, these were just... And I was so glad that uh, Kamasi Washington gig, I mean, the, the whole tour got such an amazing response. It was epic. Especially man. him being yeah. such a, a contemporary jazz uh, Who would have known, man? Kamasi yeah, Washington yeah. is big in India. Who would have guessed yeah, it? Yeah, it know? was sold out. I mean, dude, I knew that we were going to do well, well on the tour. Yeah. We sold out in 10 hours. Yeah, Delhi but and so Bombay. the buzz, yeah. I mean, you probably knew that you would even sell the show out. Yeah. But the buzz around it yeah. and even after the gig the happened, the people phenomenal. talking about it, yeah. it was, you could feel it. Awesome. Yeah, and we've got uh, three more of them coming up this year. We'll be doing three more uh, Third Culture Presents. Before the end uh, of the year? Uh, not before the end. Sorry, next year I meant. Uh, okay. We'll be doing three more next year. Big ones. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. Yeah. So, but so I think that uh, you starting third culture was a very natural curve for you since you had you've been the head at OML and everything. Mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, people who know you know what else you are capable of. But other than that, I think people just know you as the artist manager. And I want to shed some light on the other aspects of you Absolutely. because that's also a part of third culture. Sure. And you have a background in radio, live music. You you even play music. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what I when I was just doing some research on you, uh, I saw that you were uh, in college doing radio internships. Sure. Then you worked at Warner Chapel mm -hmm. Group as mm -hmm. an as an A and R. Not not A and R. I was helping in the publishing department. Oh, yeah. Like licensing. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's like a whole different field. Sure. Then you have done programming at yep. Brook Blue Frog and mm -hmm. uh, uh, TLR. Yeah. And then you came on to artist management. Sure. Now, that is very unconventional for someone coming from India. Mm -hmm. uh, you did your uh, studies in Emerson College. Yeah, Boston. Yeah. Boston. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, when I was growing up, I didn't even know things like artist management, programming, venues sure, and stuff. Sure. So did you have this vision as a child that you wanted to be part of the music industry and work uh, as these... This is kind of a messed up story, but I'll just tell it to you, okay? <laughs> like the honest to God truth okay. is this. Um, I, I started playing music with my brother when I was like eight years old. Yeah? Mm. And me and my brother grew up playing music together. And... When we, before we moved to the States, I moved to the States when I was 14, um, you know, we... Uh, were you living in Bombay back no, then? No, no, we were living in Delhi. Delhi I'm okay. from Delhi. Okay. And um, so, you know, we had seen Indian Ocean uh, before, huh. you know, play, and Parikrama we had seen and uh, Euphoria and we'd seen Parikrama, you know, yeah. and we were like in it, you know, it, and yeah. my, my brother used to be in a, in a band uh, with uh, a, lot, a lot of guys who were older than him. You know, okay. the St. Stephen's uh, college uh, bands and all in Delhi. Mm -hmm. And I remember bunking school with my brother so he could go play at a St. Uh, Stephen's college festival. Like So they had festival. a scene back then? Yeah, yeah, full on. And we used to play together, me and Veer and whatever. Now, then basically what happened is I went to the States mm -hmm. and the first show that I ever saw in the States was the Deftones at, oh the, ninth, at the 930 Club in DC, yeah. which is like a legendary venue. I know, man. You Deftones know? is... And, I mean, uh, uh, that it's such a basic 
venue, right? It's just yeah. like one floor with a balcony over uh, over it and two mm. bars on each side, right? Yeah. And I was 14 years old and you know they put these X's on your hands so that mm. you can't drink, you know, like when you're in the <laughs> in the show. But the show, the de- seeing the Deftones was not the coolest part for me. The coolest part for me was Lights the roadies. On. No, the roadies okay. who came out uh-huh. and like set up the show and like check the backline and like check the guitars and the amps and like the drum oh. set and whatever. Because you could tell that these were the real Fans. dudes. No, yeah. these were the guys who have like committed to that life. You right. know, like okay. they yeah. are not getting off the road ever. Huh. Like this guy is going They're from tour to tour, to tour to tour to tour to tour. And I was like, I want to be like that guy. Wow. That okay. guy's a yeah. gangster. You know, that yeah. guy's about yeah. that rock and roll life. Yeah. You know, and um, you know, I... Uh, um, That's really interesting, man. Like, dude, I uh, wanted to be a roadie is the I honest mean, to think, God answer. Yeah, you know? I, I would... Uh, I mean, I've always... Uh, had uh, this thing towards music, but I never ever imagined being in a music industry because back then there was no music sure. industry. But when you sure. see something like that, mm-hmm. still, like you see something like that and then you know that you have, you'll have to come back to India. Sure. So your bubble was still alive. It wasn't burst. Totally, and totally. And, and the thing is, I mean, for a long time, I thought that I was not going to move back to India. You know, hmm. uh, me moving back to India in 2011 was totally unexpected. You know, right. I, I had been living in the U.S., Mm, probably nine years, maybe 10 years. Hmm. And uh, I was working for a music company in LA and the company went bust, right? Hmm. And they ended up shutting down. So after 10 years of living in the US, I was given 14 days to leave the country, basically. So it was super unexpected and Hmm. all of that. I ended up going, my parents were living in Tanzania uh, at the time, East Hmm. Africa. And uh, so I went there, I spent some time with them and my plan was actually to go to uh, London. Uh, mm-hmm. and start looking for work over there. But this is yeah. 2011 that we're talking about. Yeah. It's the middle of the recession. You know, I was talking mm. to some of my uh, uh, contacts in London who work in the music industry, and they were saying, don't even think about it. They're like, <laughs> exactly. people, they're like exactly. people who've been working at studios here for 10 years and all are getting fired because they just yeah. can't afford to pay their salary anymore. So yeah. what are you doing, you know? And I, I came to Delhi uh, to go to a cousin's wedding, uh, huh. basically, in 2011. And... I ended you up met meeting, Mo. I met Mo, yeah. and I'm through Mo, I met Sahaj, yeah. and then uh, through that whole group, I ended up meeting Surreal, who was huh. managing What TLR. were those guys up to at that point? Yo, they were killing it, you know? <laughs> These guys were the coolest guys but around. everything was you know? happening like, in Delhi. Like, they're that still was that the coolest crew. guys around. Huh. <laughs> For sure, uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, let me, let me put it this way. Like, um, you know, Mo was one of the most inspiring people that I've ever met until today, you know? And mm-hmm. I just think that he has this charismatic energy mm. that allows him to galvanize people. Like he can get mm. people excited and rally around a cause, yeah. right? Now, whether that was Reggae Rajas, uh, mm. which obviously he was a founder of, yeah. or that was the Pepsi dub station, which was a yeah. hugely important yeah. stage at NHL kind of your first break into in the beginning, yeah. This. And at the same time, you got the same guy who's doing these nights called The Future, which was like, Pretty lights, chromatic, yeah. you know, that whole like uh, beats. But like, like wh- sound. how big was this community that he was kind of running? It was, like, uh, was it just a few group, like group of friends, uh, 10, 12 friends who in, were interested or was it like, there was like a following? There was a following. I will definitely say there was a following. For, but for like reggae music and stuff? Not for reggae so much, huh. but it was this whole thing of like um, pushing the envelope, you know, of huh. introducing like something movement. new, introducing something hmm. new, you know. And I think we were, everybody in Delhi at that time was hugely inspired by it, you know. Um, uh, One of the other really important venues to mention at this point is Zoop, which was a venue that we used to have in uh, PVR market in Saket, Mm -hmm. you know. 
and that's where a lot of like the heavy bass gigs would happen you know so hail mm. did bass camp there yeah, in the early days electronic music was already uh, it was popping man so yeah. you know i remember a lot of those early parties as being like epic you know mm. like and yeah. and you could tell that there was such an energy in the air because there were nights literally when we would uh be running tlr and we would get a, a visit from our neighborhood police in hoskas huh. village you know huh. and this is still early days of hoskas yeah, village this yeah. is before it exploded Nothing and got all mad and like there. whatever yeah. so you give the chap one bottle you send him on his way and mm. then what we ended up doing was we would shut the shutter at the front of the continue. venue and then keep the party going yeah. you know and yeah. we walk out whatever 6 7 o'clock in the morning That's you know and amazing. and you could just tell that people were having were getting real joy out of this you know yeah. people were really, yeah. it was changing people's yeah. lives you know yeah. and i think a lot of those early experiences for me uh are where i cut my teeth in the music industry you know yeah. like whether that's you saw the potential and and totally. it was genuine like people were coming here there just for the music and yes. the experience yes. there was It, there was no alteration and then of, I saw uh, I saw an opportunity to scale it up by uh, shifting to Blue Frog Delhi you know which right. is what I attempted to do yeah. and uh, then I went to Blue Frog Delhi and I worked there for a while but the two previous years I had also worked on N87 as yeah, the correct, stage manager for for dub station so what, during these uh, times did you come across an experience of artist management or something i mean, because uh, i think uh, it was sahaj who first uh, sure. approached you of course the whole thing yeah. but uh you must have had some idea on how it's done because dude i had the best teachers in the country i worked very closely with three men that i mm. respect immensely mm. yeah. uh bobby talwar vijay yeah. nair and dhruv jagasia right. you know and uh, having that kind of face time uh with those guys yeah. um at that point in my career mm. when i really had no clue what i was doing you know as and an how artist did you, how did you really come across those people because uh and uh, it's seven you know um okay. i was working yeah. at uh, nh7 and i was doing i think did you book them or you were just uh, no no not at all i was just i was just uh the god's honest truth is i was just mo's homie who they <laughs> trusted as a stage manager because i had out. a strong background in audio and live music and of course, all of that yeah. and it's just one extra guy they didn't have to pay right Correct. this stage yeah. manager is going to handle itself right yeah. and i was doing it in mo's vibe and whatever and so right. they just kind of left me to my own devices and let me do that you know hmm. so we were doing nh7 bangalore in 2012 and mm. uh, i remember very clearly you know uh, i finished all the sound checks and i was just killing like an hour hour and a half before we mm. opened the gates and i had the first act on i was just hanging out on the stage and uh, bobby had a tricycle at that festival mm. you know mm. and uh, it was like this powered electric tricycle and comes bumping along you know to my stage and he says mm. hey man uh, let's have a chat i mm. said yeah sure like uh, so we just sat in the green room behind uh, the dub station and you know bobby said uh, you know we think you're uh, a fairly organized person and mm. you know we think that you've got potential so we'd like to explore uh, you coming on board at oml as an artist manager okay. and specifically working with sahaj you know right. so sahaj had asked me but okay. sahaj was already he put in the word so, yeah, about correct, you correct so yeah. uh, full uh, thanks to sahaj for getting me the gig and yeah. uh, you know he got my foot in the door as far as the artist management gig goes and uh then we kind of went strength to strength to strength you know it was mm. sahaj and then uh i think anish nuclear sandunes nickelson i mean it just they went crazy reggae rajas yeah, they went mad great roster man they went, they went epic at, yeah. at that point these guys were all like killing it with yes. uh, the whole indie scene and yeah. uh, we had a good run man it was it was great uh you know we yeah, uh man. uh i feel that a lot of those early days like in terms of how we were touring and 
uh, how we were conducting sound checks mm. and like all of that, L- like a lot of that kind of stuff has become the industry norm now, mm. you know? And like, we had no idea what we were doing, man. Like, you know, it was just figuring it out, you yeah. know, like while we were going. So step by step. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I really remember, mm, which I would never do ever mm. nowadays mm. is that me and Sahaj thought it would be a cool idea to build our own visual rig, right? Mm-hmm. For the doppelganger launch tour. Mm. And so we built this massive thing out of like 24 pieces of wood and it has like uh. s- steel frame and uh. like, and it fit into two massive wooden boxes. It was like 146 kilos and 120 kilos each. Uh. So we had to ship that thing freight between every single city. Now what happens is when you ship freight in between every single city, something is, breaks, this is pre-GST. Okay, <laughs> there, so there is some guy <laughs> over there who you have to convince that this is not worth a lot of money, you know, and huh. I'm not going to sell it on to somebody else and like huh. whatever, you know. So it ended up being a hassle every time and then we'd take it to the venue and then we would build it at the venue. And then we'd have Every a, time from scratch. Have, from scratch. Then we'd have an amazing show. Huh. And then break I'd it down. I'd be smashed, he'd be smashed. <laughs> and now we're drunk with power tools, you know, trying to, <laughs> trying to break down this visual thing, you know. <laughs> This is not a good idea, you know? Huh. So, but you so still did it. We did it. And I think we did like, did something mad. We did like some eight cities or something oh, like yeah. that, you know, like with it. And, and was it uh, just the two of you building it? Straight up. Just it was me and him oh on tour together. Like it was so really like hectic. hours before the show. Bro, it was the this. worst. But now the thing is, you know, I, I learned such a valuable lesson from that huh. because... That's mm. why I think that's why you got that Shadi Mandapwala idea also. Yes, correct. You've, you've I have thought about paid your dues. The well, the, well, the way it is is that um, there are certain things that you will be able to find in every market in this country. Huh. A Shadi Mandap, you'll find. Yeah, there is no question. Yeah, you know, yeah. LED wall, milega hi milega. Huh. Quality might be a little upper, niche, yeah. whatever, but yeah. you will get that. Yeah. Uh, sound system, you will get. You know, uh, SFX, Pyro, all of this kind of stuff. That's mm. why when we do the nuclear show now, mm. the big format nuclear show, I've thought for so many years about building some kind of a statement piece, you know? Like, mm. I always thought it'd be cool for him to have, like, his own DJ console, you know? Huh. Like, this nuclear like his own individual rig, vibe, you know, kind of thing. But then, why? You know, for yeah. what? Yeah. You know, if I can just use locally sourced materials yeah. and uh, plug and play my show yeah. into yeah. that, then nothing like it, right? Yeah. And the reason why you find all of these things in every single market in India is because of what? Shadi. Shadis. All of this in is fact, used in Shadi. I mean, so we have um, Indians, uh, they might not know uh, about these fancy pyro shows and everything, sure. but we've had festivals uh, throughout the year. We've had so many festivals and yeah, yeah. there's the creativity is there. Even in Ganesh Otsav, the way these people set up the mandaps and everything, sure. that infra is there. But yeah. we, we have seen pyro and we just make that thing uh, to be no, cool. But dude, in, I in India, doing... there are so many things that you can use and make it its own. I started doing, I, I, I started getting bored about three years ago hmm. and I was touring with Same India thing, and LED, the thing, Pyro. Nee, yeah, the thing is, I'll, I'll tell you what, like, so as a tour manager, right, oh. which is my job when I'm on the road hmm. uh, with an artist, uh, my work is before the show hmm. and after the show. Hmm. During the show, I was there and like, pani chahiye, drink chahiye, hmm. cigarette chahiye, kya chahiye, you know, like, basically like that. That's not the best use of my time, yeah. right? During the show. Mm. So I thought, okay, it'll be more interesting to increase the pyro and the SFX, right? So that's when the nuclear show really went through the roof, right? Mm. When we started adding fireworks and flames yeah. and yeah. like CO2 yeah. and like whatever. And the thing is that every promoter that we worked with was happy to that. give it to us because he that's knows right. the show is going to look banging, you huh. know, like if yeah. he gives it to us. Yeah. So we've had mad experiences. Like mm. we went to, I want to say it was either Raipur or Bhubaneswar. I can't remember mm. uh, one of these places. 
and uh, they gave me about four times the inventory that I needed <laughs> for the show. Yeah. So there's me, kid in a candy shop. The whole show shit's just on yeah, fire, yeah. you know. And it was sick. It was like such a great show because also when you put up a show like that, which mm. is uh, audiovisual sync, uh, good lights, well done SFX and whatever, mm. you're essentially giving them uh, an international quality show. Yeah, Now, exactly. if you do that in a market like Bhubaneswar or you do uh. that in a market like Draipur or you do that in a market like Vizag or mm. these kind of places, mm. they have never seen anything like that, yeah. right? They've only yeah. seen YouTube videos and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So what does that do, right? It creates resonance with your audience, right? Mm. And it means that they have now experienced something that they yeah. would not experience without you, yeah. which does yeah. what? It increases their loyalty towards your brand. Correct. So for us, you know, we really made B and C towns a focus for us. Right. I believe, yeah. you know, yeah. like what's happening right now. If the masses are there, the, the numbers are there. See, if you're an indie and guy. And they're exposed now. If you're an yeah. independent artist in India hmm. and you want to go on a national tour, hmm. where are you going to go? You're going to go Delhi, First, Bombay, yeah, Delhi, Bangalore, Bombay, Bangalore, Pune, huh. maybe Calcutta, huh. you know, uh, Hyderabad, yeah. you know. That is not the real circuit, man. You know, if hmm. you want to have a sustainable touring career, you have got to go and hit Smaller the BNC city. markets. For sure. You know? yeah, yeah. And those markets are there. And I'm telling you yeah. that in five years, we're going to have about 25 different markets that you can tour. You know? Yeah. Obviously from Ajaypur all the way to Vizag. Yeah, there's so much stuff happening in uh, Gujarat like Ahmedabad and Dude, Surat and all this Baroda, techno happening. Like, there's metal happening it's out a, there. Exactly. And I'm so, like, suddenly where is all this popping from? We're and in an amazing time. We're in yeah. a very amazing time mm. right now. That's great, man. Uh, so... Speaking of that, uh, I have I know the, all the big artists that's, that are there on your roster. Sure. I want to talk about some of the newer, fresher artists that you have on the block. Mm -hmm. uh, who are they and why you've chosen them? Sure. Um, I mean, I, the the smallest artist and the newest artist that we've got uh, signed to Third Culture is J-Babe. Um, mm -hmm. It's the solo project of mm -hmm. Josh Fernandez, who is the... Uh, frontman of the F-16s. Um, okay. Me and Josh go back a long ways. I used to manage the F-16s at OML mm. and uh, we've been close for a number of years. And uh, uh, when I heard him play the J-Babe record for the first time, um, I thought that the hooks were just incredible, you mm. know? Yeah. And that level of uh, musicality and mm. melody um, and also mixed in with a really cool production aesthetic where it's a little bit lo-fi, it's a little yeah. bit grungy. Mm. Um, you know, but the whole total package altogether was something really interesting that mm. uh, reminded me of a lot of artists that I really like, you know, mm -hmm. um, uh, Toro Imoa and The Strokes yeah. and, you know, so on and so forth, uh, Foles and, you know, Folds, yeah. so, uh, you know, I, I, I Tame Impala and I, I heard, I heard all of these influences in his music, right? Mm. And I, and, you know, Josh is a bit of a savage human being, you know, who needs a little bit of wrangling sometimes, mm. but, mm. uh. Um, you know, as a musician, I think mm. he's immensely talented, right? Yeah. So um, he's somebody that I'm really excited about, uh, yeah. who I think is going to be incredible. One of the other uh, new artists that we've started working with a lot is Kone Kone, um, right. who, uh, you know, for a long time was not based in India, but he's just moved back to India. Okay. So uh, we are going to be... What genre um, is... Uh... It's like, it's it's that's my favorite thing about him, is that it's okay. no genre, you know, okay. and that... You know, this guy has has had records like Come Closer, which we signed to Get Physical last year, right? Okay. And that's like a house yeah. disco tune, yeah. right? But at the same time, he's making footwork, you know? And then okay. he's also making like uh, instrumental hip hop. And he's also yeah. making all these kind of interesting yeah. things. And he does this, his live show is this audiovisual mashup thing yeah. where he takes old Bollywood samples and then reuses them 
you know, while he's DJing. And then he's an incredibly talented turntablist as well. Mm-hmm. So the whole show, when you put it together, I was like, wow, yeah. that's something I can sell. You know, yeah. that's unique yeah, and sure. all of that. I mean, I think mm-hmm. really that's what I need what to it, check out uh, his music. Yeah, definitely yeah. do. Um, Sarathi Korwar, uh, somebody immensely right. talented jazz musician. And mm. uh, more importantly than that, um, an artist that I think has something to say, you know. Okay. Um, he is very outspoken in his uh, views on uh, immigration. And, uh, you know, the last album is pretty much centered around that topic. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, you, when you look at it from just a purely musical standpoint, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think it's so dense that you need to just listen to it a couple of times to really figure out what's going on, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, so these kind of artists mm-hmm. are somebody that mm, they, they have a uniqueness about them, right. you know? Yeah. Um, and I have no interest in managing 25 artists who all sound the same, right? Yeah, for because sure. it's yeah. internal conflict. You're just you're, yeah, and the thing is that one flavor and everyone's uh, already making so many different styles of music. You want to uh, explore yeah. all of that and expose it to the yeah. audience because yeah. they are exposed to the internet and they're gonna listen to whatever sounds cool. They're not gonna like just stick to a genre. I've seen that. Absolutely, and, but uh, at the same time, there are certain plays to be made in genres, right? Like. Hmm. Um, I was quite against uh, getting on the hip-hop bandwagon, right? Mm-hmm. Even though I have a very deep love and appreciation for mm-hmm. hip-hop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just felt like it was a bandwagon thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I just felt like there's just too many people jumping like on it. Like it's a bubble. And, yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and do you really want to be the guy who's jumping on the train yeah. late, you yeah. know? But uh, then Kumari approached me, right? Mm-hmm. And that is somebody who I think uh, has the potential to be mm. uh, not just a star here, but a star mm. there as well in the mm. West, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, there's no other thing that encapsulates third culture better than that, right? It's a Correct. cross-cultural artist, yeah, right? Absolutely. Who's pushing in two different uh, yeah, even Kone markets. Kone, I mean, you yourself uh, have coming from uh, the States and yeah. starting these things here. Well, I'm also biracial, ex- right? My mother is English and my father's Indian, right? So that's the whole thing of yeah. why it's called third culture is because third culture kids are kids that uh, don't really fit in their parents' culture or mm. in the culture of the uh, country that they're staying in, yeah. but have sort of had to assimilate and create their own third culture. So that's yeah. the genesis yeah. of the name of the of the company. And I know? think that's kind of what's happening in India overall in mm. terms of uh, the culture, because we have borrowed so much from the Western culture. And then there are people who are also trying to push the Indian culture together. And some of sometimes the result is a fusion of both. Mm-hmm. in music, in art, in food. Yeah, sure, know? big so time. that thing is happening everywhere. And it's exciting, man. I, I yeah, mean, it's really you exciting because uh, earlier the Westerns would just do their thing. Yeah. We would do our thing. Yeah. And then slowly, slowly you start to see how amazing both are to each Dude, other. Look at these last, um, I mean, this is a bit more of a mainstream example, but if you look at the last two massive smash hit records, right, that um, DJ Snake has had, right? Yeah. Magenta Rhythm, Taki Taki, Turn Down For What. Yeah. They've all got these slightly Eastern sounding, yeah. little bit... Very Oriental mm, sometimes. Oriental, little bit Indian here. Dude, I listen to some of the pop music you know? these days and I, the melodies sometimes feel very Indian to me. Sure. Uh, even, yeah. even some of the rock bands like uh, uh, Tools. Like some, I mean, sometimes... Tool is its own... It, it's, it is, <laughs> but uh, in the new album, you know? I heard a yeah. lot of uh, there are Islamic sure. uh, yeah. music and yeah. I was so... Uh, I was like... Wow, how did they even get to that? They're an interesting band, man. So, I think they're uh, awesome. It, it, I mean, they, I know they are them, but 
even otherwise i'm listening to a lot of other artists i'm always listening to like yeah. new music and i see these influences and it's i think that probably is just me but uh, no but that cross cultural exchange is real yeah you know and, it's happening uh, they they are getting so influenced and sometimes i i hate to admit this but sometimes they those people are taking indian music and doing better things than we are sometimes cuz i think it's they, just a different lens you know yeah and but yeah. the things that we 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 already have such a rich heritage of that which we are yet to explore there is so much to sure. do in that department mm-hmm. and obviously with the whole western uh, influence coming in there is so much for us to do now oh sure cuz those yeah. guys have been doing it for decades yeah and we are just starting out well i i mean i i that's one way to look at it but you know i i think the other counterpoint to look hmm. at that hmm. is that they did all the messing around and experimenting right now we get to cherry pick the best parts you know yeah. we're like this is cool i don't like <laughs> yeah. that okay this is nice yeah. okay i don't like that okay yeah. like They've you know so there's there's two ways it. to look at it yeah. right you know and uh, honestly like um, if you zoom out not from a creative standpoint but from an industry standpoint right mm. the industry is so formalized over there that they have yeah, figured man. it out dude they ha- they can write a song and <coughs> comfortably like sit home and get royalties systematically <laughs> for their songs yeah let's not even go there uh, yeah in, in, so in I, I was one, reading you know? up these things and like, I, then i started so i i read up about licensing and royalties sure. and stuff sure. uh, all everything that i could find was about the industries in usa or uk or something mm-hmm. uh, i i even saw how it originated and then i went to see the indian sites for licensing and everything and it was just so uh, it's shoddy and uh, you look at the websites and you know that things are not in place so it makes me wonder whether people are now working towards it or no and maybe do we really need it because since we have these indiv- individual distribution platforms and stuff we 110% need it need it for sure there is no because we don't just want to release music we want the music to uh, uh, have its uh, uh, license and the songwriters and all need that publishers Man, that's what publishers do we are literally monetizing like less than 1% of recorded music in this country yeah and the reason for that is because 99% of the music that becomes popular is yeah. typically affiliated with a, a a film studio right and that's a work yeah. for hire yeah. so that means that the studio owns it so that yeah. means that they don't have to give back any royalty Correct. splits or this or that or yeah. whatever to yeah. the various yeah. contributors and writers and so yeah. on and so forth right so um The answer is that yes there are uh, a lot of people working on this I think it's going to be a long road uh, I think there's an awareness that it's required mm. but I think uh, you're up against a, a behemoth uh, industry like Bollywood But can it not happen parallelly where uh, we we are not trying to take away anything from Bollywood we are just trying to ask for what's ours like if I'm writing there's a song I want to put like if we start a new uh, organization if, if the people who are working towards it start an organization and uh, just give out the the right licenses and now everything is online it can be done uh, via online payments and stuff is it in that way is it trying to happen the answer is or? very simple there's just simply not enough money at stake to pay hmm. for the setting up of this yeah. organization and paying people salaries and all of that i mean it's a, it's it's yeah. chicken feed yeah what we're yeah. talking about you know so it's a lot of uh, infra- infrastructure requirements cuz like you need to be able to track these things like at clubs and venues and stuff it's going to be a technology solution calculate yeah it has to be that that's the only way it's going to happen that. you know uh, you can't do this kind of stuff manually and the thing is that no we way. do have the tech right now and uh, there are some really really interesting players uh, right now uh, that we also met with uh, quite recently who are looking at this from a technology uh, angle hmm. and uh, i think that uh, 
it's going to be a staggered approach. I think it's about implementing in controlled environments first and hmm. then scaling it. Uh, right. Yeah. It's going to be about uh, first uh, understanding what is the music being played in the club uh, and then taking that to larger format events like the festivals and right. so on and so forth. Right. And then scaling it out across uh, all your different bars, venues, restaurants. Yeah. And so Because so man, so like so if this really worked out, say even five years down the line, mm. the whole game will change Not in terms of getting paid as an artist, like in terms of surviving because you can expect because like India is a huge country there are going to be mm -hmm. so many bars mm -hmm. there's going to be so much consumption mm -hmm. so many artists yep. like it's just going to be so many numbers that it's going to be easier to uh, extract that value from India because well, like it's a real revenue stream exactly it's yeah it's a non-existent revenue stream right and now, once that happens you know? I think even the government will start recognizing that you know this is legit inshallah let's uh, see yeah you know but um, yeah I, 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 I think that uh, it is a massive problem and hmm. I think that a lot of, uh, even the Bollywood fraternity is aware that this is not the right way yeah. to operate. So I think yeah. things will be changing. Nice. So, um, yeah, I think we, uh, I think we quite, uh, had, I had quite a conversation mm -hmm. about like everything oh. I have covered so many things with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe not so much about artist management, which no. my topic was for this sure, episode, sure. but I'm happy to have, uh, gotten so much out of this mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, it's been amazing. Cheers, man. Thanks, Thanks for, for doing this. Anytime, yeah. man. Happy to do it. So how was that, huh? We spoke a lot. And to be honest, I thought this would be a very studious and serious conversation with Tej about artist management and stuff like that. Like a more interview we feel. But this was nothing like it. It was more of a conversation. And uh, just two people from the industry exchanging opinions and sharing experiences. So let me just outline the takeaways from this chat with Tej. One, we got this awesome company called Third Culture that looks after talented upcoming artists. They have a production department that helps investors organize events of all sizes in all kinds of locations. And they do their own events as well. So keep an eye out on Third Culture's social media because they just told us that they have three big events lined up for the next year. These guys also help musicians with mastering their music and more importantly with distribution of music. Now distribution of music is, an, is a topic in itself. So I'm going to be talking about this in the future on another episode. But this is just to say that there is this service, that, service of distribution that Third Culture provides and this service is very essential for every independent musician out there. Point number two, we did speak about artist management and the takeaway here is that artists need to first build something on their own like a following through their music and their performances this goes a long way in creating their own unique identity and then they are ready for artist management so if you're doing it right chances are that you are already getting noticed by someone however keep in mind that you don't need a manager to get you gigs to get gigs it's more of a DIY approach like do it yourself you have to go out there connect with the right people who are these right people? Well, just go to the events that are happening in your city that are playing your kind of music and approach the people who organize these shows. When you approach them, don't just ask them for gigs immediately. Talk to them, get to know them. This will build your relationship. After building this, you need to nurture the relationship. So don't expect anything to happen overnight. Just be patient and slowly it will all come to you. Number three. We spoke about how we're living in amazing times for arts and culture in the country where Everyone is working hard in their own capacity to change things in their surroundings. 
So if you feel like things need to change, then just try to get involved in the community in some way or the other. Don't complain about what's wrong. Don't just sit and complain. Just ask people how you can contribute to the cause. There are lots of people already trying to improve the scene, so meet them. This will help you tweak your perception a little bit, and you'll see that there is a place for everyone in the industry who's willing to put in the work. So that's all for today. I'd like to thank Tej for doing this. Much appreciated, brother. Keep doing the good work. I hope all the listeners enjoyed this chat. We got another big one coming up in the next episode. I won't say who it is yet, but I can confirm that it's coming out soon. Until then, keep doing your thing. Leave me a message and let me know what you think about the podcast. I would love to hear from you. For now, it's a wrap. See you in the next episode of Me the Industries. Adios, amigos.